Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the latest webinar in our Return to Work series. Um, today, we will be discussing how to define a hybrid workplace model as you try to bring employees back into the workplace. My name is David Atwell Thomas, and I'm a member of the Open Census team. Just before we get started, I'm going to take you through the layout of this session today briefly. We'll firstly go through the meat of the presentation, which will be a discussion between Sue Warman and Emma Dutton, who will introduce themselves next. And then there'll be a quick Q&A section at the end. So before we get going, I'm just going to briefly cover the topics that we'll be discussing. Firstly, we'll be looking at why it's so important to keep employee experience central to these change processes, and especially when you're introducing hybrid working. Next, we'll be moving on to the key areas that business leaders need to focus on as they bring employees back into the fold. And then finally, we'll be looking at the tools available to actually assist with and manage these processes as employees come back and then as the as the office evolves going forwards. So without further ado, I would like to introduce our guest speakers. We have with us today Sue Warman and Emma Dutton, and I'll hand over to Sue first to introduce herself. Thank you, David. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Sue Warman, and I'm the VP of People for the AICPA, who you may um, know better as CIMA in the UK. So we are a global professional body for the accounting profession. Thanks, David. Thanks, Sue. Hi, everybody. I'm Emma Dutton, um, and I specialise in leadership development and coaching, and I partner with um, multiple organisations, both on a consultancy basis and also an interim basis. So look forward to our discussion this afternoon. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, so let's dive straight in. And um, the, the first thing that we'll be looking on is why it's so important to focus on employee experience when you're defining a hybrid workplace environment. Um, so Emma, if you could kick us off with why you think this is so important, that'd be great. Um, yeah, of course, David, no problem. So I think employee experience has to be um, the starting point when thinking about hybrid working moving forward. And if we think about employee experience and what that means, well, employees are the lifeblood of any organisation. And employee experience is basically the individual employee's perception of their journey with and through the organisation. So looking at that through the lens of hybrid working, I think organisations need to consider where and how they're going to invest in the employee life cycle. When I reflect on the employee experience, um, I think this pandemic has been challenging, but it's taught us so much. Um, and I think it's really opened employees' eyes to um, the different ways that they can manage their day, so the different experiences they can have and that they can choose to have. So I think prior to this, which was really sort of forced upon us, attitudes were really mixed towards remote working. Some managers were more enlightened than others, and, uh, and but many were resistant. Um, and I think there's really no going back. Um, I think um, we've we've learned so much. I think now expectations will be a bit different from employees. They'll have they'll be craving a different employee experience, a different life balance experience. And, um, and I think organisations would do well to be enlightened and to go with that rather than to resist it. I'd go so far as to say, I think if, if we don't, then that will end up being a negative differentiator for us um, as an employer. I think employees are generally expecting um, a more empowered um, work experience and uh, a less rigid approach. 
Um, if I think about some of the jobs in our organisation, there are some where you have to be rigid to a certain extent. For example, as a professional body, there are some roles where for people who man the phones and are the contact point for members, and they're manning a helpline that's open between certain hours. So there's a certain inflexibility to that. Um, but I think employees will um, will generally be asking, well, why? Why why um, do we need to be rigid? Why can't I? Why does it matter when I do my work? Unless there's a really clear explanation of that kind. So I think all in all, um, we we do well to hang on to the lessons from um, from the last year and to really reflect how that might offer an even better employee experience for people. Just building on what you guys have mentioned there. So. We've obviously seen that the way we work has obviously changed over the last year. Many of us, myself included, are still working from our bedrooms. So as people do come back to the office, which behaviours would you say we should be trying to focus on and encourage within the office and where should focus be lying in behaviour? I think there's a there's a couple of different focus areas there when we're talking about behaviours. The point that Sue raises around being less rigid with our employees and providing more empowerment is an absolute must moving forward. You're, you're going to see a blend of different requirements from employees within organisations. What will become apparent is that there's a real range of thoughts. There will be people who value and thrive working from home. There'll be others who just desperate to get back into an office environment. So I think it's really important to pay attention to how do you accommodate not just those different requirements and needs, but how do you also adapt behaviours accordingly so that when people do come into, um, into work or work from home, they have that option to determine their own working pattern. They can decide where they work and when they work. And I think there's going to be more emphasis on using office space differently for collaboration, for team building, you know, getting back to those what feel like faraway days where, you know, people would build their social connections, people would be able to work through the team dynamic in an office environment. So I think there's there's different behaviours that need to be addressed. But I also think that given the Given the journey that people have been on in the last 12 plus months, given the challenges that they faced along the way, there's going to be the need to really focus on opportunities to give people more of that social interaction that they've been craving and really lacking. Brilliant. Thank you both. That actually leads quite nicely on to our next slide. It very much sounds like everyone is now free or wants to be free to work how they want. So there can't be one one size fits all approach to hybrid working. But there are areas which we can focus on to enable this. Um, so the second question I've got for you both is what areas will need to change in order to facilitate these shifts? Um, and again, if Emma, you would like to lead on that one. Then. I would summarise it in three key areas. I would suggest there are physical changes, digital changes and human changes that, that need to be made and focused on. And I think we've talked about um, some of those certainly already. But in terms of the, the physical change, you know, there's going to be a need to look at um, office portfolios, property portfolios to really consider what is the experience we want to deliver to our employees in the future. How might we need to reconfigure the space that we've had at our disposal to allow for and to accommodate 
more collaboration, more team building, more opportunity to work together as part of, of project teams. One of the clients that I'm working with at the moment that is on this journey have uh, coined the phrase coming together less often, but with more purpose. And that less often and more purpose for them is about precisely changing that physical space to an environment which is used for learning opportunities, social interaction that we've talked about, collaboration and so on. So I think that physical piece is, is one aspect. The whole area of, you know, the human aspect, how people are expecting employers to respond moving forwards, taking into consideration their personal needs, their well-being needs, their emotional needs. There's a huge onus on organisations to seek that input from their employees, really think about what is it that people are looking for? How do they want to operate in this new world moving forward? And finally, I know Sue will definitely have more to elaborate on in this regard. But finally, you know, I mentioned physical, I mentioned human, I think that the third bucket is really that digital space. So how do we leverage new technology moving forward? How do we integrate more digital practices into our employee experience. Brilliant, thank you very much. And yes, yeah, Sue, if you'd like to build on that at all. So, I mean, without doubt, um, what you just ended on there, Emma, um, is really important. I think we're all looking um, at what tools will enable this new way of working to make it more efficient. Um, and I think that's just about being clear with people. So how is this going to work? How can I make this as stress-free as possible? How do I know that there'll be a bookable desk for me that day, et cetera? So I think there's, there's definitely something around um, how we can use tech to enable this to be a smooth experience. So that, that's definitely one. I think, bearing in mind this is all brand new, um, I think managers, particularly less experienced managers, will be looking for more guidance on how they manage. So as I referenced earlier, before the pandemic, people had different levels of comfort with allowing their teams to work remotely. And, um, and I think some managers feel a bit exposed and are saying, well, yeah, what guidance can you give me? How can I really um, manage people as effectively if they're working remotely, et cetera? So, um, so I'm certainly looking with my team at what training interventions, what um, clinics in inverted commas, what, um, you know, what coaching sessions we need to run um, to help people to share tips and to, and to get comfortable with the fact that they can lead their, their teams just as effectively and, um, and ensure that everyone's productive. And then really building on one of the points Emma made, there are going to be glitches with this, right? So we're going to learn along the way and there, there will be things to iron out and we should go into this expecting that. So therefore, we need really good communication channels and feedback loops to be, to be available so that things don't fester and so that we can have conversations in real time and learn from what doesn't work well and correct it. Can I just build on something that Sue mentioned there? Because I've experienced this just in the last 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And that was the point around, you know, supporting managers in this new world. So the, the, to give you a real life example of, of how that might pan out, one of the clients that I'm working with at the moment on this precise topic is quite far down the line in moving towards hybrid working. Um, and in the last 48 hours, there has actually been a huge influx of questions and feedback from employees and managers alike in terms of, okay, so hybrid working, I get it, I understand it, it means that we'll have a blend of people working from an office environment 
and working from home. But I think because we are potentially for many organizations moving into a different space, which requires a different mindset and a different behavioral shift, managers are, are not really clear right now, particularly in the organization I'm working with on where their own boundaries lie. What, what levels of discretion do they have to determine whether somebody could or should be at home one day a week, two day a week, three days a week or more. So I just wanted to reinforce that point that Sue made because I think the management community is going to be a critical enabler of this new way of working. That actually builds quite nicely into okay. the question I was gonna ask based on this slide, which is um, the way that we work has changed. The relationship we have with our companies is gonna change. And there's obviously a new element of risk in going to the office and just in being out and about. Um, and there's been such a focus on mental health and well-being at the moment. And I know quite a few people are concerned to do with the actual office environment or not being in the office, that how can we ensure that our employees are doing well? I just kind of wanted to see how involved you guys felt uh, organisations should be in their employees' well-being when they're not in the office. We've, um, we're driving a very specific dialogue around this right now, and I'm centering it around the theme of accountability. Because whilst we can set out our stool and our values and, um, and place importance on the conversation about well-being, etc., we don't always know the whole picture. And so there has to be a level of personal accountability for, from, from the individual to do a number of things, make us aware of anything we can do that can help and do the right thing for their own well-being within various boundaries that, that we're making available. Um, but also an accountability for being productive and for making the arrangement work. Um, so, um, so we're finding that that's really resonating with people. It's, it's like it's the deal, right? So, um, so we're willing to be more flexible. We understand there's a lot in it in this for you and for us. But part of the deal is you, that you have to step up and own your accountability on so many levels, including taking care of your well-being. Um, the only thing that I, I would add to that is that I think, given the experience that we've all had, that is categorically an expectation that employees now hold probably more strongly than they did before, which is, you know, really looking to an organisation to acknowledge their physical and their mental health and well-being needs. And whilst that is absolutely a dual responsibility and to Sue's point individuals need to take some personal accountability for that as well as well people are being much more discerning about the employment deal that they're expecting moving forwards. We'll move on to the the last question now really which is to do with the systems and tools that we can actually introduce ourselves to kind of create this flexible system in which we want people to be able to freely move. So Emma um what systems do you think need to be introduced to manage hybrid working? So I think it goes back to my, my earlier point, David, and that is first and foremost, giving employees a voice, giving employees the opportunity to be uh, open and transparent with their, with their requirements, um, with their views about returning to the office. So I think, you know, looking at um, pulse check surveys, having opportunities to bring people together within focus groups in order to drive not only the broader hybrid working strategy, but really look at what systems are going to help us to be 
smart with how we operate in this new world. Um, I think communication is, is fundamental in, in this whole approach. I think, you know, certainly if we think about the, the digital and the tech experience, I think there's much more focus and emphasis on dialing up that digital experience, particularly when we're going to be working in an environment where people are going to be um, dispersed um, all around the, the, the UK or the globe. And so, you know, looking at different technologies to enable greater communication, but also um, seamless and um, high quality communication will be really important. Um, and something which Sue touched on as well, I think there, there needs to be, particularly if we're reconfiguring our office spaces, um, there's going to need to be a way and a means for people to um, identify what space is available to them, when it's available and how they can um, take advantage of that space. Yeah, I agree. Um, Sue, over to you. Sure, I'm deliberately going to go to what may seem like a trivial example because I think managers frequently um, underestimate the impact of some of the minutiae. So, so for example, um, when we reopen offices, if, if it's really cumbersome to book a desk, book a meeting space, etc., to know um, what space is available, you know, if that if that's too hard, it will have a disproportional negative impact on people's morale. And on them, there's only so hard that people will try to, um, you know, to come together to collaborate, etc. So I think we have to be willing to get down in the weeds. And, and I, I see in my organisation, there's a particular need for me to collaborate with the facilities lead, mm -hmm. and to look at um, some of the logistics management. So um, you know, to give you deliberately what seems like a very trivial example, um, we, we had a um, booking system in place before the pandemic and um, sometimes if people were running projects, they would block book an office for a year, being the duration of the project, but they'd stop using it after a short time and forget to unbook it again, uh, which means that others couldn't find bookable space. Now that seems really trivial. But it really impacts um, you know, people's frustration levels. And so I think we have to make sure that all of those sorts of things are running like clockwork um, because it's that bit harder. You can't um, leave your desk, walk up to reception and ask them to sort out your problem for you, which is what used to happen in our organisation. So don't skip over the, the detail too quickly because it really does serve to drag people down if things aren't working smoothly in that regard. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there that I know the frustration where if I'm trying to buy something online and the page doesn't load twice, I, I don't buy it. So if something I'm using every day like this wasn't working smoothly, I would very quickly get frustrated with it. But it seems to me like accessing the space on the employee side is, is one side of it. But then there's a load of work that needs to be done from the facilities and workplace teams to ensure that the right spaces are actually being provided. and there are tools out there that can assist with this, but what steps do you reckon we should be taking to make sure that the office itself is fit for purpose? So I can talk to you about this particular client that I've already referenced. And um, I think, you know, the approach that they're taking is exactly as you've just described. So it is a Herculean 
collaborative effort between HR, facilities, finance, legal, workspace to really look at what have we got today and how far, first and foremost, how far do we want to push this in the first instance when we're looking to bring people back together really getting into the detail of working with and assessing and understanding the business requirements as well so yes we're moving to hybrid working you know we're wanting to empower people to have more flexibility in where they work from whether that's part of the day in the office and the other part of the day at home whatever's going to work that I think is where organizations are moving towards but with that comes a lot of complexity around so how do you if you're reconfiguring your office space and you're taking out banks and banks of hot desks because you're wanting to drive more collaboration more social interaction you wanting to have bigger space for um, you know, all hands meetings, whatever the case may be. How do you manage that conundrum of knowing what capacity is available for people to come in, sit down at a space and do some work in between their collaborative meetings? Because in that scenario where you are taking away what previously may have been banks and banks of desks and repurposing your space, you could face a scenario where you've got loads of people coming in and you just haven't got the physical capacity or layout to accommodate everybody so I think you know really looking at how does and partnering with the business to understand how do you foresee this working within your respective functions how do you anticipate collaborating with other teams across the business and what might that look like from a day-to-day week-to-week perspective and then looking at the kinds of Um, technology and apps that are going to help those business areas, the leaders, the stakeholders and their teams identify what type of space is available, who else might be wanting or in that space at the same time. So again, you know, I think this is this is a massive area which needs lots of collaboration across all parts of the business. Just building on what Emma was saying about anticipating needs in the new world, definitely do that. But then I would say don't rush making any major changes. Yeah, I think we need to let the pendulum come back to the middle a little bit and um, and just see how things pan out. Because what I anticipate is we'll open our um, offices around the world um, in June, there, there are thereabouts in different um, places. And I and we won't put anybody under pressure to start. We will just make offices available. And I anticipate that the first people back will, will be the people whose home environment is not conducive or people who are feeling a bit isolated. So people will self-select to come back. And then teams will start to get themselves organized and say, well, should we have a team meeting? Should we have a day when we all coincide in the office, etc.? And that's going to take a few months to play out. And so I'm deliberately... Um, challenging us internally to not make any major decisions about our real estate portfolio, any major decisions about big reconfigurations, etc. Um, I, I definitely anticipate fewer desks and more collaboration space will be the way. Um, we'll definitely need the tech to enable people to book, etc. But I'm going to hold back and see what patterns emerge once people get used to being able to use offices again. I think what you said there about waiting for patterns to emerge is, is really important. It's the need to be really thinking critically about space, because as we've just discussed, 
the, the way employees are going to be interacting space has changed and they're going to be choosing for themselves. So we need to be making sure that everything we do is evidence-based and that requires data. So we can't be going and making changes. They need to be well thought out and well evaluated and evidence-based. And these changes, as you both mentioned, they're not going to happen overnight and they definitely can't be the responsibility of any one department. So we really need to be focusing on collaboration across departments, making sure that everyone's on the same page. I would say it's quite important to make sure that we have buy-in from C-suite down. Um, it needs to be something that's pushed for and bought into and as such, employee feedback will be very important with pulse surveys. And then the bigger part of that, again, is to make these experiences seamless for employees. The right systems are going to need to be introduced. I think it'll be one of those cases where if everything's working, no one will comment on it. It's when things go wrong that people will start to actually notice that these systems exist. But really, they should be so intuitive and seamless and just part of the working environment in a hybrid workplace that we don't actually think about it. It's just accepted that that's how it is. Do any of you guys have anything more to add before we move on to the Q&A section? No? My only point to, to those last couple of comments that both you and Sue have made there, David, is, you know, as I think I've referenced before, none of us actually know how this is going to pan out. It's just going to evolve. It's going to be another experiment like the experiment we've all experienced over the last 12 months and therefore building in checks and balances along the way, opportunities to review how things are going and you know, test and learn as we go will be a, a fundamental part of the process. Okay, brilliant. The first question that I've seen pop up is something that you guys have both touched on briefly before. How should we go about avoiding fragmentation when working remotely? So kind of a culture question. I think for me, there's a, there's a continuation of some of what we've been doing already because we've had that challenge of fragmentation and, and some of it is around pulling us together as a community and reminding ourselves of what we have in common and what we stand for. So webcasts, um, feedback loops, etc. So some of it is, is the macro. And, um, and then some of it we're, um, we're pushing through sort of coaching sessions with managers, et cetera. Um, to, you know, we, I think we have to try extra hard you know, to work at things like you know, basic good practice. So one-to-ones, team meetings, um, making sure that we're landing strategic messages internally. So I, th I think we have to go into communications overdrive, not in terms of quantity, but in terms of clarity and making sure that people have digestion time, time to question things, time to create that line of sight between what we're saying and what they do and the relevance to them. So I, th I think what we're doing is, is just being extra conscious of the importance of great communication. And Emma? I would just going to say exactly the same keep those lines of communication open think about and reflect upon the lessons that you've learned during the time when we've all been remote you now how has that worked from a collaboration perspective where and how have you seen um, fragmentation and potential silos creeping in and use that to inform your thinking so that you can build in to Sue's point those additional efforts to bring people together in whatever forum whether that be virtual face-to-face -face or a blend of the two but really ramping up that communication thank you both there's one more question which i think is very pertinent which is what metrics do you think teams should be measuring to kind of gauge the success of hybrid working how do we know it's going well I think there are there are two axes for me um, that really matter one is productivity so are we getting the job done are we working as effectively as a team as we possibly could and the other is employee engagement and satisfaction. So am I doing a good job? Am I happy and engaged doing it? 
Um, and we, we talked earlier about some of the engagement tools around surveys, um, pulse surveys, um, engagement surveys, et cetera. That, that gives us um, a good feed on all of that. And I think um, performance management, the importance of being aligned, goal setting, you know, uh, and um, having a dialogue together around how are we doing? Are we, are we meeting our goals? Um, are we delivering? Will be really important. To me, it's as, it's as clear as that, those two different axes. I think that's a really nice way of looking at it. Um, and how about you, Emma? Um, exactly the same as Sue, exactly the same. I, I wouldn't have anything to add there. Thanks, David. Okay. Um, well, that is our time, everybody. Those of you who submitted questions, which we haven't got around to, we will get back to you individually. But um, Sue, Emma, thank you both very much for your time and expertise. And thank you, everyone who joined and listened. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much.